become an ex-alcoholic, drug addict, criminal, hustler, womanizer, fighter, liar, manipulator, player, drug dealer, thief, abuser, hypocrite, and a worldly confused individual. My name is Ben Lively. I'm not who I was before. I'm a born-again child of the Most High God, anointed, chosen, set apart, and called to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. I teach Christians the truth of God's word. I'm a mouthpiece for the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not compromise, play any games, or waste time with this mission from on high. I know that in and of myself, I am not. Nothing. I need God for every breath I take and every move I make. I have Christ living in me and I'm burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I'm different now and forevermore. This earth is not my home. I know that and I declare it boldly. I'm strong in prayer, praying in power and in the Spirit. I will preach, teach, deliver, evangelize, prophesy, baptize, and build up groups of believers as God allows. He is working through me as I'm surrendered to His service as an instrument of righteousness. And if you know me or get to know me, you'll realize that I take no credit for this, but God gets all the glory. In Christ I live and to heaven I will rise. so much for tuning in and welcome everyone. Hope you're doing well. I'm your host, Ben Lively, and you're listening to Shaken Awake, episode number 20. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in wherever you are and whatever you're doing this uh, very moment. And, and listen, if you find any value in today's episode, please pass the news, pass the uh, podcast name and link to a friend, a family member, or a colleague that you feel would benefit from the show and become blessed as you are through the words that the Lord shares through these messages. Uh, you can also find these episodes now on YouTube by searching Shaken Awake Podcast and clicking on the subscribe button. As always, I promise you another great show, but more than anything, my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord. He's always right there with you, even when you think he's not. So let's get ready to invite him in with us right here, right now, and allow him to speak directly to your hearts and minds. So here goes. Here is today's topic. How are you living a life that is pleasing to God? I think we can all agree that for some, or if you're like me, most of our lives, we've been living life with the intent on, you know, making it as pleasing to us and sometimes our inner circle as, uh, as humanly possible. I'm not referring to living a life of luxury per se, but doing the things necessary to ensure that our comfort level is good, our plans come to fruition, our days and nights are as fun and relaxing and stress-free as possible. I mean, who, who wakes up every day thinking, how can I make my life harder for me today? No one, hopefully. However, on today's episode, we're going to focus on the how and the why and ask ourselves, uh, ourselves a, a different question. Why aren't we waking up every day thinking, how do I live today for the Lord and do the things that are pleasing to him? If this sounds familiar to you, then this episode should really help shed some light on what God wants you to do, 
how he wants you to live your life and what he desires of all who love him. After all, aren't those the most important things we as true Christians should aspire to live for and strive for? So who wakes up early for work, has a routine in getting ready and perhaps your kids ready for their day, then proceeds to go to work, work all day, make it home, make and or eat dinner, relax a bit, talk about your day, scroll through your social media, go online, maybe do a little prep work for the next day and some housework, you know, the laundry, dishes, vacuuming, straighten up, etc. Hopefully reading your Bible and then getting yourself and or everyone else ready for bed and then rinsing and repeating the same each and every day forward. You'll live for the weekends to get some errands accomplished, maybe sleep in a little, go out and enjoy a nice meal or two out, go shopping, enjoy the weather outside or in your pool or with the kids inside, and then in a blink of an eye or what feels like six hours, it's already Sunday evening already, and it's time to prep for the work week ahead. You get everyone settled in and then repeat that prior work week. Most of your quote-unquote change in life happens from day to day and usually occurs at work where you spend more time with that crowd than oftentimes your own family. Does this sound familiar to you? Perhaps, perhaps not. The question I'm posing is this, which is one God and the Holy Spirit posed to me and helped convict me on this issue in my own life? So if I'm getting eight hours per night sleeping... That's about a third of my life asleep. So what am I doing with those other two thirds? Well, I'm working a minimum of eight hours per day, sometimes 10. So there's at least another one third of my life occupied in the duties of my job responsibilities and in the workday for my employer. The real question came down to what am I doing with that only one third of quote unquote freedom I have to choose to do whatever I want with okay so in my old life it was drinking smoking watching TV social media definitely no Bible reading because I uh, not 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 really because I refuse but I simply had zero interest watching movies listening to great secular music and spending as much time as I could possibly squeeze into my days to have fun and rest and relaxation and little, you know, just live in my little comfort zone and perfect surroundings that I had built for myself. Then as the years went by, I spent most of that time drinking and building businesses to help me become wealthy, financially secure, and be able to give myself and my family more time to have the lifestyle that was pleasing to us. Oh, and we went to church on Sundays from 11 a.m. to 12.15. Can't forget about that. My new life in Christ has totally transformed my relationship with him, my life here on earth, the blessings I'm receiving both here on earth and those being stored up in heaven, and my entire reason for living each day. It's given me an actual purpose. The best part is it's pleasing to the creator of the universe, the father that loved us so much before the earth was even formed that he spared us. He came down to earth from heaven in human form went about doing nothing but good, saving all of mankind, defeating death and the grave once and for all, offering us salvation and eternal life with him in paradise, and then was crucified it uh, because of it. Because why? Because he loves us so much. 
cannot state that the only perfect being in the entire universe, God, is at all wrong. He's perfect. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's all-powerful. He's the creator of the universe, giver of salvation, the Lord of all. He cannot be wrong. In fact, the only thing he is, is perfect. And perfect in every single way. And so therefore, so then it is his love. So is his salvation, his grace, his promises, his kindness, his mercy, his forgiveness, his blessings, his protection, his word, his provision, and his, and, and his ways. So my conviction was this. Why on his earth would I choose willingly? Remember, he gives us free will, the right and the privilege and blessing to choose this over that. Why would I choose willingly to replace whatever during my days and evenings with anything other than what he's asked of me and what's pleasing to him? After all, isn't that a million-dollar question? I mean, what's more important? Money? Fame? Rest? Things? Career, health, pleasures. Well, let's let's hear what God God's word says. Never mind what I think. Okay, so most of what I've learned, which we'll be diving into next week, is what the word of God, the voice of God through the word of God, and the Holy Spirit has shown me throughout the scriptures. They've provided the, the clear path, God's path and blueprint for living a life that's pleasing to him and one that is an outward display of faith. Remember, faith without works is dead. That's from Jesus, not me. Sometimes works is what it takes to live a life that's pleasing to him. Think of it this way, as this is my own analogy for this. We can either live a life of our own works to achieve a life that's pleasing to us, or we can live a life of works to achieve a life that's pleasing to God. But we can't choose both. You can only choose one master. As Matthew 6.24 states, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. My whole life, I, I serve myself, placing me and my needs above God's. Not anymore, thank God. The Bible states in Hebrews 11.6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So faith is needed, drawing near to him is needed, and those who seek him are rewarded. There's one answer straight out of God's worth. Well, word, faith, drawing near, seeking him. So with faith, without it, it's dead. Faith is stepping out and by your works, your actions and words, it will be revealed by the faith you have drawing near. If I believe in him and I want to please him, I draw near to him by going and meeting him where he's at, as he does for us. He's in the word. He's in prayer. He's in our hearts. He's in our church groups, small groups. He's everywhere that we draw near to him. And then seeking him. How can you seek something if you don't go looking? How do you seek something on your social media or in a bottle or in the bar or on television or in the news or while you're out having fun or concentrating on self for your own needs, you, you cannot. So if, if you and I believe that he exists, we will draw near to him. If we lack faith, we won't. Therefore, it will be impossible to please him without it. 
you may be saying or, or thinking right now, uh, but no, Ben, I, I believe in him and I, I have faith and I believe he exists, but I don't exactly seek him. Then my question back is, why would you not earnestly see God who you believe in, have faith in and then draw near to him? Is that because you don't feel like it? Is it because you don't take the time to think about it or care to? Is it because your life is more important? Is it because, like me, you were never convicted of this? Because, like me, I'd never cracked open my Bible and read these words of truth? If the shoe fits, kick it off. As Paul states in Galatians 1.10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Man is also us, you and I. Man is also people in the world, both those close to us in our lives and outside of our lives. He's plainly asking himself, who am I really serving here? Because if it isn't God, I'm not truly a servant of Christ. But if I am a servant of Christ, which I am, then it's impossible to live a life trying to please man, including ourselves. You cannot serve two masters. So this is the realization I was convicted of. I can't remember when, but perhaps this was the verse uh, that that the Holy Spirit convicted me with. More than likely, it was one of but many that he used. I, I looked deeply within and I quickly realized that I was trying to please me, man, and my prospects and career, that's man, without serving Christ one bit. So we're to be a servant of Christ, but how? How do we then live a life that's pleasing to God? Well, we start to do what the Bible teaches. So in James 1.22, it states, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Also pray for wisdom and revelation. Ephesians 1.16-17 says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. You also follow your conscience. Acts 23.1, and looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brother, brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience, conscience up to this day. We also need to keep our eyes pure. Luke 11, 34 to 36 says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, have no dark part or part dark. It will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays give you light. You also need to keep your heart. Proverbs 4, 23, keep your heart with all vigilance from from it flows the spring of life we also need to associate with what the bible calls wise in proverbs 13:20 whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm we also need to keep ourselves in the word of god and it'll build you up so in Acts 20, 32, it says, And now I commend you to God and to the world or the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. We also need a desire to do God's will, and you will supernaturally know God better. In John 7, 17, if anyone's will is to do God's will, 
he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. We also need to start to praise God. John 14, 28. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. We need to put God first. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We need to remain and become a detached from worldly things. So Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. But we also need to consider the word of God. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We also need to forget the past. Philippians 3, 13 to 14 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it on my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. See, Satan wants us to not forget the past, but live in it. But it prevents us from straining forward to what lies ahead. Recognize that God loves you more than you could love yourself. Be willing to give your temptations up to a righteous path. Jeremiah 31, 3 says, I have loved you with an internal love. And Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those that love me. God has loved you for thousands and thousands of years. It was then that he decided to put you in this generation and in this, this place. How many other people he could have created and did not? He truly wanted you to be. You have qualities and talents that when transformed into Christ will give a grace and a glory to God and the church for all of eternity. You are important to God and to the whole world. God does not love you any less because he loves millions of other people. You are unique and God loves you as an individual. God rejoices every time you think of him. When you consider his word and when you do what's right, God knows that his word will transform you and make you like him. You also need to check your own life. You must believe and know that you are already washed away by Jesus and you must make sure you have not sinned against him yesterday. Get involved in a small group, a local church or a house church and serve God, serve God. It is where we can praise his name and thank him for his goodness in our life. Be willing to understand and help those who lack faith. Be a shepherd like he was. Take care of his people and ask him to empower you each and every day. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our heart. You have heard that it's the heart that God looks at, right? And and which the Holy Spirit searches out. We've also heard that what comes out of the mouth of a man defiles him, as what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. So what is your mouth speaking daily? Life and death come from the tongue. So what is your tongue speaking daily? We can also serve God, and we do serve God, by speaking life. In Romans 8, 8, it says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So there's nothing left to interpretation or misunderstanding here. 
Whether you take the Bible literally, figuratively, or both, you cannot misinterpret the scripture. It plainly states, you cannot please God when you are living in the flesh. So living in the flesh. The flesh is our internal enemy. It's a seed of corruption that lingers in us until our glorification following death. In short, the flesh is our fallen internal resistance to obey God and put self-interests above God's interests. Flesh sometimes means a physical body is when the word became flesh in Jesus Christ. The sinful actions of the, of the flesh come from every part of our person. Paul uses uh, flesh to refer to our inherent tendency to sin against God. He says that the, the flesh is the, the seed of our sinful passions, the realm of sinners and the source of our evil desires. So the Bible commands Christians to respond to the flesh in three ways. And here they are. Or to recognize that we are no longer under the flesh's uh, bondage. Jesus' death for our sin and his resurrection for our salvation gives us a new nature and a new power from God, the Holy Spirit, that enables us to say no to our flesh and yes to God. We're to walk in conscious submission to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is more powerful than our sinful desires. He alone can get us out of unholy sin and into holy worship. We're to put death Put to death our sinful desires. The opposite of putting sin to death includes excusing sin, tolerating sin, or merely wounding sin by attempting to manage it. Death of sinful desires is Holy Spirit-enabled conviction, followed by repentance of sin, faith in God, worship of God, and perseverance in holiness so that sin remains dead and joy remains alive. In Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern, discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's your and my right to choose and choose daily and consistently. Do we conform and live to the desire, desires of self in the world or do we conform and live to the desires of God? It's truly that simple. But why do many complicate it? Why do many ignore it? Why do many choose to conform to the world and self and not to God? Further reiterated by Paul in Romans 8, 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. So you've heard Jesus claim others are double-minded. You who are double-minded. He does not say this in love, but with disgust. Double-minded are those that live by their understanding yet abandon what God says, regardless of their intentions. The term double-minded comes from the Greek word dipsosos, meaning a person with two minds or souls. You know, it's interesting that this word appears only in the book of James. So it's James 1, 8 and 4, 8. Bible scholars conclude that James might have coined this word. So to grasp the full meaning of this word, it's best to understand how it's used within its context. So James writes of the, the doubting person that he is, quote unquote, like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. That's James 1, 6-8. A doubter is a double-minded person. 
Jesus had in mind such a person when he spoke of the one who tries to serve two masters. We just read that in Matthew 6, 24. As such, he is, quote unquote, unstable, which comes from a a Greek word meaning unsteady, wavering in both his character and feelings. A double-minded person is restless and, and confused in his thoughts, his actions, and his behavior. And such a person's always in conflict with himself, one torn by such inner conflict that can never lean with confidence on God and his gracious promises. And correspondingly, the term unstable is analogous to a drunken man unable to walk a straight line, swaying one way, then another. He has no defined direction and as a result doesn't get anywhere. Such a person is unstable in all he does. Man, it sounds like me for 41 years. Those who are double-minded do not have the faith spoken of in Hebrews 11, 1 and 3. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. By faith, we understand that the, the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. We cannot be both certain and doubting as is the double-minded person. One part of his mind is sure of something while the other part doubts. So Jesus declared, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other, Matthew 6, 24. So God and the things of this world are of such opposite natures that it's impossible to love either one completely without hating the other. Those who try to love both will become unstable in all their ways. If if someone struggles with being double-minded, he or she should read, study, and memorize the word. For it's the word of God that produces faith. That's Romans 10, 17. And he or she should pray for faith. God freely gives what is good to those who ask him, as in Luke 11, 9 to 12. And it's good to ask for an increase of faith. As it states in Luke 17, 5 and Mark 9, 24. Negligence of God's desires for your life will be no excuse when you're in front of him, giving an account of your life. Do now what's right and and, and don't choose wrong. Don't choose wrong because you do not know what's right. Don't live your life believing it's desiring to God, but not dwell in his word to find out what he truly desires of you and how you live your life. So my final question to you is this, uh, What are you living your life to please? And how are you living your life to please God? Who, by your actions, are you pleasing? And finally, is there any area of your life that you can pray and seek the Father's guidance and direction in order to serve and please Him? Or are you maxed out? Meaning, you have nothing more to give to God in your life. My final statement is this. The enemy works overtime to create a world of creature comforts that are self-serving and a world of pleasure and the pursuit of happiness within the world. Take a look around. He's done a pretty good job at taking God out of everything and putting the world into everything. We are now what Jesus warned of as being how people will be living their lives at the end of the age as they were in the days of Noah. The enemy is the master of deception, the master of lies, portrays himself as the angel of light and is hell-bent on stealing souls from God and his kingdom and devouring all which is good. Jesus Christ is the only answer for salvation 
and eternal life. So which master, by your actions and faith, are you truly serving and pleasing? There can only be one answer. So we, before we end today's show, I just wanted to thank you all again for tuning in. I hope you were touched by God through today's message in scripture. I'd like to ask you a favor. If you've received any value out of today's show, would you tell a person that you know, just call them, text them, email them. When you talk to them, just tell them to give the show a listen. It may just help them in their walk with Christ. And also I need your support. If you could give me a quick rating online uh, on your app or YouTube, I'd love the support from you guys uh, to get the word out. And if you would like to get a hold of me, you can write me a note on www.shaken-awake.com forward slash contact. You can also email me directly at ben at shaken-awake.com or even call or text me directly for any reason. My number is 407-493-3208. Again, that number is 407-493-3208. I want feedback. I love questions. I love ideas. I want your requests, criticisms, please, any corrections. And if it's important to you, I automatically make it important to me. And if you'd like to be a guest of the show, please reach out to me as well. A lot of folks have some really, really great life and and eternity-changing stories. And if you'd like to share, please let me know and I'll schedule you in. We need to hear more of the truth these days and the positive ways of God and Jesus Christ. This podcast, with your help, is just going to help change that up. So I'd love to hear from you. So next week, tune in next Sunday or whenever you're able as we dive into another important topic. Why most Christians don't read their Bibles, the damage being done and the blessings being missed. So next week's episode is another powerful and do not miss episode. Thank you all for joining. Until next week, take great care of yourself and each other and God bless you all.